Up next, we have Laura Eisenhower, great-granddaughter of President Eisenhower. Uh, she has a... <clears throat> Talk about somebody truly on her mission. Uh, this is her life's journey. She's made it a point to uh, disclose this information and truly bring the dark to light. Without further ado, Laura Eisenhower. Good morning, everybody. It's so amazing to be here. And uh, just thank you so much, Tyler and Aaron, Journey to Truth podcast, and everybody who's shown up, and just all the amazing friends and colleagues. I mean, this is just amazing because, I mean, just the name Secret Space Conference, this is stuff that we weren't supposed to know and find out about. And uh, against the odds, so many of us have defied whatever plan they had to uh, keep us from doing this kind of work um, because they knew that we would affect the timelines, we would affect humanity, we would bring to light what they've been trying to keep secret. And so I have a little bit of a different experience as far as um, secret space programs and things that relate to off-planet stuff. So I'm gonna tell a little bit of um, that story before I go into uh, the information that I know they didn't want me to bring forward and a lot of us that talk about this kind of stuff. Pretty much everybody who's speaking at this conference is bringing forward stuff they don't want us to know. So it's amazing to defy the odds and it gives me a lot of faith for humanity that um, humanity can defy the odds of this new world order agenda and what they want to see happen with the human race. And there's a lot of reasons that they will be able to overcome this, including all assaults or whatever has been ingested from just what we've been breathing in with the chemtrails and just all the manipulations. Uh, people on the front lines that have gone through these experiences really proved that there's nothing that we cannot overcome and heal from. The power of the human spirit is everything and it's the greatest strength. So anyway, this is kind of my weird bio. It's like, geez, life experience, right? It's like, that's plenty. Uh, gave me plenty of information to work with, just like, whoa. Um, soul journey, just really just tapping into that, living as close and as much on a soul level as possible, really avoiding sort of the personality matrix and a lot of the programmings and really seeing through it growing up because mission energy really got downloaded pretty quick, you know, because I was just kind of looking around like, you know, how did I end up in this family, the Eisenhower family, and Eisenhower's constantly like kind of visiting with me and, and just... It was just very surreal. So a lot of stuff came in real fast. So there was just a lot of realizations and epiphanies, like, oh yeah, you know? It's like, I was always kind of called like spacey, but people don't realize like when I'm spacing out, I'm like working really hard. You know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm busy up here, right? You might think I'm like spacey, but. So just a lot of realizations and epiphanies. And then when I ended up going to off to school, I went uh, into wilderness expedition leadership. And that was like everything. Um, that really just helped ground me. It really helped me to just tune into the earth and, and energies and how energies work and just the interaction with animals and just the elements and uh, everything about group dynamics and just being in extreme temperatures and situations. Um, one of it was like 30 below building um, little snow forts and being like so in the heart of the wilderness that like if you were to get injured, uh, you'd have to it'd be like a week and a half of just walking out um, or maybe having to call a helicopter. So that was really cool. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like it's so freaking cold. Like, what am I doing? Um, but uh, yeah, whistleblower testimony and research, just uh, connecting dots. First sort of whistleblower that I met when I first came out in 2010, 
<clears throat> but I was in actually communication with people like Michael Sala right after the Mars recruitment. But uh, one of the first individuals was Andrew Bishago and Alfred Lambert Weber. But I started communicating back in uh, 2006. Michael Sala called me on the phone um, when he found out about my story. And I'm like living on this golf course in a rental. Like I never really live on golf courses. But I just remember pacing around, talking really fast, and just being like, oh my god. like Because I was still trying to get out of the situation. And, and it's just amazing, you know, all the experiences I've had with, you know, him and everybody um, just over the years, like all we've experienced together just at these conferences and just and meeting amazing people, like your support and love is everything. It's just so surreal and just so heartwarming. So I really appreciate all that. And so, yeah, just cosmic mythology is going into archetypes, astrology, tarot, I've always used in the I Ching, some say I Ching, I Ching. I pretty much memorized in high school. Like I did so much. Like there are hexagrams all over. My mom's like, "What is going on? Like, why are, what are all these lines and like, and like on all these pieces of paper?" And I did it so much that I literally didn't even have to refer to the book. And there's like 64 hexagrams of books. It's really thick, but it just helped guide me. And and I just really just wasn't really paying attention in school. I appreciated some of it, but uh, I just kind of like became self-educated and just entered my own little world. Some of my information comes from Ascension Glossary, and this is sort of an older thing, and it's not updated, but Ashiana Dian and Kelantic Science, when I came across that information, I was just like, yes. I mean, it just matched a lot of what was coming through, and I've formed a, a really profound relationship with Lisa Renee over the years, and um, it's just been amazing to get to know her and just really be able to like talk and work a lot of this kind of stuff out. So anyway, that's kind of uh, the beginning of just stuff, but this is just a few bullet points, just to kind of go into maybe some stuff about childhood, pre-targeting before birth, and you know, some of it I can't prove, but this is some of the stuff that was shared to me, meeting people along the way. Like Andrew Bishago, he's like, oh yeah, they were talking about you in 1972, I was born in 73. I'm like, okay, a year before I was born. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, um, You know, with the use of some of this, you know, technology, I mean, he, he was a child participant in the time travel programs in Project Pegasus, and uh, what I was finding out about was looking glass technologies and how they use looking glass technologies to locate me in a past life. Um, and I'll get into that in just a little bit, but there was some sort of pre-targeting before birth. They were talking about me in 72, and my affiliation or connection with Andrew Bishago, who thought he was gonna be president and I was gonna run as vice president. That hasn't quite worked out, and I don't know if it like, really will. Um, I just know that like we, we all have a leadership role and I don't know about doing it through that arena. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know about all that. But, uh, I mean, I just feel like we're, we're just a force. We're, we're a, a, a unified group. And we all have particular amazing you know, roles. And we get to connect the dots together and be a part of this greater conversation. And sometimes one has to sort of upgrade maybe the information that they thought might be close to truth. And it's really important to be flexible. And so I've learned a lot along the way particularly about Eisenhower's administration, and I really feel that's the reason I incarnated into this family, um, to express things that couldn't be expressed back then. And the amount of disinformation is just startling, or just staggering. Um, and there was stuff that I was sharing over the years, knowing that it didn't feel like complete and total truth, but I never stopped digging, that have to do with uh, Eisenhower's relationship with extraterrestrials and things that happened during his administration. So there's a lot of updates on all that. Um, and kind of take what resonates, leave the rest. There's no way to like solidly prove it all, but it makes more sense than anything else on top of other people that have stated similar things. So we work really close, and uh, I know Val Thor is there. There's a quote from Elena's book of a message he sent to her. 
to, to son to me, and I'm gonna share it. And it's just kind of like really surreal. I'm like, seriously, Valdor said that? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, sometimes I'm just like screaming out to the sky, can you, we just have like a one-on-one a -on -one and like a little bit more of a, and, and, and then I kind of get the down, like, like um, you know, we're, we're here, but, but if, if we have too much contact or communication, you might get really homesick and it might just be too difficult or I'm like, okay, whatever, it's fine. I feel them there, I feel them there. Um, and, uh, but I love this earth and this is why I refuse to go to Mars. And they presented it to me in a very different way than other people that have been pulled into projects and different things. But I did have a hidden weaponry on me since I was born really. Um, and I think that's why my mom like was really determined maybe intuitively to birth me at home um, in England. And they weren't really doing that back then, but she was like, I can't have her in a hospital for some reason. Um, maybe she knew that like they might get their hands on me and do something weird. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. And then, um, yeah, I always felt this hidden weapon, but you can't really talk to people about it because people weren't coming together addressing these kind of things. So every time I tried to like share, it was just, it just fell on deaf ears and I was always interrupted. That's why it's so surreal to talk, probably why I talk fast because I can't believe like, I'm not being interrupted and being shut up. It's like, what? People are listening. Like I never thought like this would ever happen that um, I would have like a voice like this. I, I was just surprised if I could even survive the journey, right? So it's really, you know, surreal. And um, yeah, but I couldn't really express this kind of stuff and everything coming through. And that's not a criticism towards, you know, family or friends. It's just, this is just stuff that like, doesn't make much sense, but I did end up going to a clairvoyant institute and I stumbled upon it. It wasn't really my intent to go, but they helped me to understand. They could see what was going on about <clears throat> the hidden weaponry and um, the targeting and things that like, I was like, wow, okay, somebody's validating this. And because before it was like, okay, I'll just lead sort of a double life. I can't really express it, but I'm never going to stop doing this. It's like, even if I wanted to, there's no vacation really. I mean, it just never stops. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate. I'm actually getting a lot of rest here. I'm like loving the room. I'm just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So really beautiful venue and just an incredible experience. You guys really have done an incredible job. So I don't want to totally read from this. I mean, I've got some slides that have a lot of writing on it. It's more maybe for a replay that you can reflect upon, but I'll kind of read it too. But anyway, when I turned down an attempted recruitment to a Mars colony that I experienced in 2006 relating to Alternative 3, which I'll explain a little bit more, something that was set up in the Eisenhower administration between supposedly Zeta Grays. <clears throat> I was able to remember and access so much in regards to how I was being prepared for these times and their attempt to remove me from this earth. The alternative was proposed to the Eisenhower administration in the possible event of global catastrophe. That's the way they put it. Um, and the way that the ETs were presenting it, supposedly. And uh, basically, uh, these alternatives were in, in uh, in the possible event of global catastrophe, um, with many possible scenarios, there needed to be sort of a way to protect the human genome. Um, so they had three different alternatives. But as I was kind of processing all this and researching this as I was being recruited and being like, okay, what the hell is all this about? Um, my intuition just kept telling me, you know, this, this is like a facade. You know, we, we talk a lot about psyops and false flags. I'm like, if there was gonna be a catastrophe, uh, more than likely it's engineered based in the use of dark technologies, geoengineering, the ability to create superstorms and artificial timelines and this and that. And a lot was coming through. And as it was coming through, I was sort of researching and I'm like, okay, you know, there's gotta be something to this. And I'd already heard things and knew about the chemtrails and 
but, but things about timelines and things about artificial timelines and the trajectory they want to put the human race on. Um, I actively researched, and then the people that were involved in the recruitment, I wasn't able to meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, but they got to me through a partner, and I'll explain that a little bit. Um, anyway, there's much more to all of this than how they presented it to me, and I was able to dig deep and see through the facades. It gave me firsthand experience in regards to what goes on in the hidden layers of shadow government, and also how long I've been targeted and how it made it near impossible to create anything in my life without some sort of diversion or controller force that wanted me to go in a different direction. And when uh, somebody kind of defected and explained this, they said that they had a list of mostly men that they would put on my path as plants to completely trip me up, some that were under their control, MKUltra kind of control. And yes, I definitely like went through a lot of it. And my poor husband, like I interrogated the crap out of him when we first met. And I'm like, you know, like every little sign that I was like, okay, you're an agent, aren't you? Like, why do you even like me? Like, why did you come and pick, you know? And, and, and he's such a saint. He's like totally like, he's like, I expected that we'd be going through all this, but he's like, I'm around you all the time. He's like, wouldn't I be getting a paycheck? Like, and like, um, and uh, no, it's just so funny. So like, finally, we were, there's some normalcy to our relationship now, but uh, he, he pulled me out of a very uh, difficult situation um, I was going through about five years ago, but I won't go into all that. Um, and a lot of this is just part of the targeting. You know, they're trying to weaponize humans, and so if they can't really get you directly, they'll try and get you through somebody else, even though through some of their tactics, they are able to get one directly. Um, anyway, so I haven't had like secret space program experiences like a lot of the guests here, maybe like in previous lifetimes or maybe there has been, I mean, I, I feel like there's an aspect of that to my life journey, but this particular incarnation was a little bit different. It was about being a permanent colonist. And the more I found out about it, the more I feel like, you know, yeah, it was a really good idea, no matter how they presented it to me, to absolutely refuse to go. And it wasn't like just like, oh yeah, I refuse to go. They're like, okay, yeah, I'll see you, no. And it was like refusing to go, they're like, well, we're going to take you anyway, and basically that's what my partner said. But he would flip into different, um, this is where I really started to learn about, you know, alters, because he would get phone calls and disappear for days and not remember anything. And there were times where he would be in a particular persona, and he would undo all the electrical equipment and the batteries in our phones to be able to share stuff with me, and then put all the batteries and stuff back, and then absolutely deny he said anything. He said, there's cameras all over the place, they're listening to everything. But then he would flip and be like, I never said any of that. And I'm like, what am I dealing with here? So I bought a bunch of rare earth magnets and I'm like trying to stick them in certain places on his body. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like trying to deactivate whatever like, you know, you're listening to because his whole thing is they put him on sort of a, he was going to be the person that was going to lead this Mars recruitment. He was having artificial telepathy with some sort of race that he called the patrons. And I know that there's a lot of legit contact experiences and channeling, but I just knew it was artificial and that the people that he was dealing with were behind this. And so, um, anyway, real quick, alternatives one, two, and three are three agendas recommended by Jason Society scholars and are related to different scenarios to prevent a possible future doomsday that is more than likely induced and not natural. Harp technologies and weather modification can control weather and induce superstorms. So I kind of went into that and kind of revisiting. In 2006, they attempted to recruit me, but this was starting in childhood, even before childhood. So the attempted recruitment was when I basically gave up. I couldn't create anything. I'm like, what is going on? And sort of feeling like Tony, like, I'm, and I'm just cursed. Like, what have I done? Like, you know, is this, like, I feel just like this constant force on me, no matter what I try and create. Then I finally, I'm like, all right, 
I'm just letting it go, and wherever that controller force wants me, I'm just going to follow it and just go. And that's when all this started to unfold and everything fell into place to put me in this position because that's where they wanted to kind of guide me. So I was in California trying to raise my kids pretty much on my own. Long story about their dad, but I was just like even working a lot of energy at this Clairvoyant Institute, you know, grounding, clearing energy, you know, having, you know, people like kind of help me through it. Nothing worked. Then I'm like, all right, all right, let's have a show down here. Take me to whatever this energy is. Then I ended up at the basement of my mom's house outside of DC. And, um, and I was just kind of like online, just kind of like, you know, writing and just kind of figuring stuff out. And then I just felt drawn to go to this little festival in Charlottesville, Virginia. And this man approached me. And I was just like kind of sitting around and kind of playing my drums and just like, oh yeah, I haven't been out and, uh, you know, with people for a long time. And this man sits next to me and he's so familiar. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I know that dude. Um, the affinity was like right away, but he wasn't like overly like kind of pushing himself on me. We just formed a friendship. We stayed up all night. We're just talking and he's like, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm like, he's like, well, you know, you, you live outside of DC. He goes, I go to meetings in DC all the time. So I'll come by and visit you. So we kind of started seeing each other. Then he told me more about the meetings and the meetings were this, with this particular group that I'll share a little bit about. And this was all about going to Mars. So they couldn't really present it to me in a way like you're going no matter what. It was very sneaky because it was like, ooh, you know, they used him as bait. It's called like a honey trap. It's a version of it. And they're like, well, you know, if she falls in love with him, she'll totally go to Mars, you know, because she's all about, she's a Libra and she's all about relationships and sacred union. <laughs> and, um, and, and because they use looking glass technologies to locate us in a past life, they knew that I would fall for him immediately because just like um, we heard about the sort of putting you with a divine counterpart or, or somebody you have a strong affinity with, they pretty much did that with me where they located us. They were like, okay, they definitely have a sacred union connection. The minute she meets him and they meet each other, they're just going to hit it off, fall in love. They're going to totally be this familiar. Because if, any, if they put any agent on me, I'm not just going to fall for it. I don't care what kind of game you're playing. <laughs> like, if I don't feel it, I'm not going to go there. Um, unless I'm too drunk. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Um, I'm totally kidding, but no, maybe not. Um, but anyway, uh, so, but, and we were totally, like, into each other, and so was he. But he didn't really understand how they were manipulating him. They propped him up to be some kind of hero. You know, we're going to go to Mars in the event of catastrophes to prevent the human genomes or to protect the human genome. So he's all pumped up, feeling very heroic. He's a very well-intentioned person, a very beautiful soul. And, um, and it was, like, really hard because uh, as he was trying to kind of say, you know, this is the target date. This is when we're going to go. You're not allowed to tell anybody this very secret. You know, I, I was just thinking, like, I just met somebody that wants to go to Mars, and I, you know, don't have to go. It's just something that he's doing. That's his thing. But then later in the relationship, after we had, like, one of those Celtic hand fasts, you know, a year and a day, we, we kind of got married in that sort of way, and I moved to North Carolina to live with him. Then it all kind of came out where, oh, I have to confess to you that um, you were a mission. I was assigned to go to this festival and meet up with you and pull you in. And I'm like, seriously, we didn't meet in this organic way? And he's like, nope, sorry. And I'm like, seriously? Like, um, I'm like, and I'm living with you and I'm with my kids. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I don't want to go. And he's like, well, this is why I've been sent because you, you're going, whether you like it or not, they're going to take you anyway. And so I had to, like, for the next couple months, like, really fight hard to get out of it. And I actually had a dream before he confessed all this, very lucid. I was being taken up on the ship and the 
I was being taken up by chains out of the ocean, and I was in the ocean, I could feel the water, and, and so I get taken up, and I'm in the ship, and there's like, agents are kind of like wearing black, they have the little microphone thing, and um, this voice from the sky, I have these dreams where there's a voice from the sky, you have a choice, do you wanna go with them, or you wanna stay on Earth? I'm like, I wanna stay on Earth. They're like, well, he's not gonna join you, and this was before I really knew that he was sent to, you know, come get me. So I made the choice, and I fall out of the ship, and I land back in the water, and I'm like, well, I gotta go back and get him. So I try and shoot up into the sky, and there's lightning and thunder, and I land back into the water. And, uh, and I'm like, man, okay, like, he's up there, and I'm down here. And it was like there was no way to access him. And then the sky spoke again and said, you made the right choice. And all of a sudden, these planetary alignments happened. Like, everything kind of lit up, and I swam to shore. Even though I was alone, it was like, you made the right choice. Then I wake up, I'm like, I got to tell you this crazy dream I had. And then I told him, he's like, you shouldn't have told me that. And, like, everything started to really unwind because they kind of knew I was onto them. They knew that I wasn't going to go. They knew I was starting to do research. I took the names of everybody he was talking to that I wasn't able to talk to directly. And there's some names that people know of, like Hal Putoff, a physicist in um, Austin, Texas, I believe. Uh, John Alexander, who um, is connected to uh, this kind of weaponry. I can't remember the name that went along with it, but this was a group called the Aviary. The Aviary, they all had cover occupations, and it took me weeks to find evidence that supported this intuitive feeling I had, that not only had this agenda been infiltrated, but there was mass manipulation going on, and my partner was being used in mind control to act as bait to pull me in. And they wanted him there too, but they really like pulled him in, and he was having you know, military abductions. <clears throat> he was constantly bleeding like out of every orifice. I mean, it was just like, yeah, really bad. Like, and I'm just like, kind of what's happening? He's just constantly being taken. And, um, but I realized uh, this was more a my lab thing. And if you look at this particular website, uh, artificialtelepathy.blogspot.com, this didn't come out till 2010, but it confirmed everything that I felt. Because I couldn't find any information on them. I finally did through a Paul Benowitz, I think his name is. He had some sort of case where he had dealt with these guys. And under this website, it says they're gang stalkers, they use psychotronic weaponry, and they do my lab, and they're just like really, really dark. But you couldn't really find anything. Um, I had to search and search and search for weeks. I'm like, I'm gonna find something out on these guys. And uh, they all had code names. So the aviary is a collection of strange birds, a group of key scientists, military men, and intelligence agents who share an interest, an intense interest, in UFOs, telepathy, remote viewing, parapsychology, mind control, and the creation of psychotronic weapons. They are known to be connected with my labs, gang stalking, and major harassment. This website didn't come out till years after I broke free from it. But you know, when, when I finally found some things that they tried to destroy, because you couldn't find any information, it was through somebody else's testimony, I was like, yes. You know, and, and I knew they had their hands on alien technology, they're connected to MJ-12, they're like a branch of it. But on the cover or outside, they look like just investigators, and they have something called the weird desk where people kind of get in touch with them and they share their, their UFO or abduction stories, and they act like they're interested. So with my partner, they actually invited him to be a part of the aviary, and they gave him a code name. Um, one was Salmon in the uh, aquarium, and the other one was Golden Eagle in the aviary. So they all had code names, right? So, you know, and, and when they're talking to each other, it's just like, and I joke about this kind of redundantly, but they're all calling each other their code names. So there's owl, there's penguin, there's all this stuff. And like, I'm literally, I like, I'm in a freaking Batman movie and there's gonna be like credits at the end of the day. Like, like what is going on here? It's just like, you know, and, uh, and one kind of defected and helped me through, his name is Dan Smith, and he's got quite a story, but 
Some of it was well-intentioned. They had this like core story thing. They felt like this is what they really had to do. But of course, there were dark players behind it that were really controlling everything that were implanted in that particular group. But I only was able to really deal with him. They didn't want to like talk to me. And when I demanded to be listened to, you know, because I wanted to convince him to stay on Earth with me. I'm like, they're trying to control you. Even his friend picked up on it. You know, you're turning almost like robotic. Um, we tried to get him out of it. I'm like, you need to stay on Earth with me. And he just wasn't believing it or having it. And um, yeah, and then, you know, eventually uh, I really ruined their plans. People started to get killed too. It was really, really pretty scary. And uh, when I came out with the story, I just gave him sort of a code name to protect him. But then he came out and said, she's talking about me and kind of like, you know, I tried to like really help him, but I had to kind of call it out. And uh, once I called them out, I felt a lot more protected. As long as I was like not able to talk about it, it was like the harassment and the targeting was to such an extreme. And so when I exposed it, you know, Hal put up kind of says, oh, you know, I'm being outed again or something like that. And then they tried to befriend me like Jack Sarfati and a few of these others. They're like, well, we don't want to look like, you know, the bad guy here. Like, you know, now that you've like exposed all this, we can't really get at you now. So let's like do a video together and like act like we're friends. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't consider you guys the enemy either, but you know, I, I need to just like move on with my life. And so, you know, they just try and get at me in other ways, just like the whole human race is targeted. We all have our experiences. Anybody who's willing to speak truth, I mean, we, we, we deal with all that, but um, they never scared me. And, and, you know, I would tell them, like I even have the email saved where I'm just like, you know, even if you do kill me, I'll come back more pissed off next time around. And it's just like, you can't, I'm like, I have no like fear of death. And they're like, why isn't she scared of us? You know, I'm like, you're just a bunch of weak patriarchal cowards. And uh, they're just like, oh shit, you know, we totally thought we could get her through like love and this guy. And even though I was like really bummed out that like him and I didn't end up together, you know, it was just like, um, and when I say patriarchal, I'm not just talking about the male species at all. It's a program, it's affected both men and women, but it's very much what they are explaining to me, at least the defector of this agenda. They didn't expect the mother energy to return and that's returned through all our hearts and souls. It has a lot to do with cosmic and earthly events, but we all have that within us. And they didn't expect that we would wake up to that or that this energy would be grounded again in the earth. So I'll go into it. I don't really want to read this word for word, but basically my mission is related to freeing us from the captivity that we are born into and uh, by a guardian activator. Oh, and, and like just sort of act as, with the guardians as an activator of our divine template. We can only live as examples and inspire by doing the work ourselves. The greater mission was something I was being prepared for. It was greatly activated by my relationship with Ike and my love of nature and deep sensitivity to the programmings and distortions. Um, there was always a deep urgency I was feeling and what part I was to play, both relating to strategies regarding timelines and the deeper soul journey that is more kind of mythical. Like, because on a soul level, these archetypes are a part of us, but we're, we're script writers of where these myths go. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> So anyway, I learned about the deeper layers of the military industrial complex through the recruitment to Mars and of course all the amazing individuals that I've met that are here. Um, my focus has been my deeper soul journey and shedding uh, layer upon layer to live as my true authentic self. Even if I'm not doing okay and struggling, I would rather be honest and inspire us all to embrace this healing path than pretend everything is going great and I'm just fine. So that's why you kind of hear me a lot or like the Lord doesn't seem okay. I delete some of those videos and interviews but I mean, it's not easy. This path is not easy, so. And it's really hard to witness, you know, friends and family that want nothing to do with this. Um, and uh, just to maintain the love frequency no matter what in the face of that. And know that there's not really a right or wrong decision. Kind of dropping that sort of 
dualistic perception, even if like we know there's dangers. But I just know being inspired by folks like Tony and um, Johan Fritz, I mean, just God, the list is so long. I mean, I, I really feel there's nothing we can't overcome. And this particular window period, called an ascension window period, that is defined very differently by people. There's a quality to this particular window period that I feel can neutralize these weapons and release all that uh, this weaponry has done to um, the human nervous system and the mind, and there's a way to overcome it and alchemize it. And so, like, years ago, when I didn't really know I was going to be a public person, I mean, I, I wasn't, I was, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just knew that, like, just this stuff has to come out. I'm like, well, I don't know what I am. Like, you know, everybody's like, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm like, I'm a global alchemist. Like, we're all global alchemists. So it's so funny, like, being introduced as, like, Laura's a global alchemist. I'm like, oh, my God, that actually stuck. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> But, but it is just like turning the lead of this human experience into gold and then seeing all the backup and validation that's happening on a cosmic and earthly level compare, uh, connected to the planetary alignments. Um, it's just been reinforced like, yes, yes, yes. It's not just some like hopeful thing. It actually is happening. And I'm going to go into that a little bit because I know that's what they don't want us to know. It's like, why would they want me to be off planet? Um, and I think it has a lot to do with you know, wanting to ground this energy, doing the grid work, working with people, activating this stuff, staying really devoted and very true to this path to really help that um, correction and that healing of the Sophianic body, which is Mother Earth, and understanding the galactic history behind how this Earth became Earth. And I go into that in other presentations. I'm not going to go too deep into all that, but uh, anyway, um, my focus has been on connecting the dots on all levels and exposing anything under the sun that I possibly can. My focus is soul architecture and helping to initiate us into our galactic chakras and awakening dormant strands of DNA. Creation is a love story that we are healing. We are learning to divorce, to divorce the imposter and find true authentic love within our own being. So ultimately the war is won within ourselves. Are we still energetically corded to the old paradigm? Are we energetically corded to um, dark players and controllers that we don't realize we might be corded into? Are we dependent on the system? I mean, we have to cut those cords and realize that we're divorcing ourselves from it. And when we divorce ourselves from something toxic, we are setting ourselves up for the synchronicities that will take us into true love as we learn to cultivate that within. Um, and to me, our DNA holds this love story and the different levels of our dormant DNA that scrambled fire codes that we can unscramble tells this greater love story right into the Christ consciousness and the plasmic light of the Christos energy and the Christ Sophia and that reunion and how that integration of polarity births that magical child, the mother father with the Christ Sophia child. And when you look at like religion and everything throughout history, it's like people are like, who the hell is Sophia? Nobody's like, you know? And when I heard the name and it was coming through when I was a kid, I'm like, nobody talks about this. They might talk about Mary Magdalene, like, you know, who's a redeemed prostitute, which is like completely off. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like, what about the mother? You know, I mean, we're on like Mother Earth and, and the planetary grid network is all about the masculine and feminine, the electric magnetic. Um, one doesn't disclude the other when it comes to the mother energy, but that is such a lost concept that um, it's been really important to bring that back in the understanding of the planetary consciousness and the divine blueprint within all of us and how that integration is switching our dormant DNA on. Because if we look at it, the personality matrix, if we just stay dependent on that or, or plugged into it, look at all the distortions coming through. Um, everything under the sun, one can imagine, has made it very, very difficult to have harmony and integration um, within ourselves and with each other in a unity consciousness kind of way as well, as we see the divide and conquer agendas and all the different psyops that 
are really you know, pulling us apart. And what I love about this group is like, we're not gonna have it. We're defying whatever odds. But it's like at the same time, um, just staying connected to spirit and grounded with Mother Earth and just being true to ourselves, it's, 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 it's not that difficult to just you know, kind of overcome this. But I think witnessing people that refuse to is, is difficult because it's like, I mean, I just can't even believe, you know, just some of the things that we see on social media and just even just like looking for a second on the news feed that Facebook prioritizes as headlines. It's just like you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Um, but anyway, we're kind of used to this level of insanity, but and it's increasing and increasing. But at the same time, it's pushing people to the edge to have that breakthrough. And people are one breakthrough away of being able to change everything. And, and one has to like, be humble enough to say, okay, maybe what I thought was true isn't whatever one has invested in and really believed in. You know, it's not like you have to throw that all away, just make an adjustment. Remove yourself from the manipulative part of it where you're being used for your skills and talents and abilities and be more sovereign because we're gonna create community that utilizes all those skills and abilities and build from the ground up pool our resources together, grow our food, homeschool our kids, take care of each other, and like starve that beast because that's a dangerous and destructive relationship and we're divorcing it, so. And, thanks. And that whole you'll own nothing and be happy, no, we're gonna have like guards like protecting our property and, and we're gonna be all armed and it's just like, no, you're not entering, you know, you schwabby wob, whatever. We're not going to have it, and and this is what I love, you know, that we all share together is this strength to overcome this and not bend to that will, not be fear-based in thinking, you know, it's like we're not victims. This isn't doom or gloom. We've taken our power back. We're speaking truth, and we're 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 making it, no matter how much they're trying to get in our way. The power of spirit completely overrides it. It's the override frequency, and it's the substance that creates the alchemy. So anyway, after getting a good handle what Alternative 3 was about, I thought about Alternative 4, which was where I was feeling like being creative, and it's from what I knew deep within and from nature. It's about connecting with the organic timeline and the divine birthright of our incredible human potential as a unified species and as individuals. We can work with the higher dimensional races as well of the cosmos and recognize that the, uh, that we are those beings too, and they are very advanced children being born. And uh, you know, we come you know, into this human vessel, but these higher dimensional levels and galactic chakras and dormant DNA connects on a frequency vibratory level with um, a lot of these guardian groups and a lot of the more benevolent beings. And that's why we have to locate it within and really switch it on, because they're not gonna come and save us, but if we can meet them like on a, a frequency resonance level, we realize how much is there supporting us. Just like our immune system, we have to take care of it, we have to support it. If we just trash ourselves constantly, it's not really gonna be able to show up for us, but it's always there, spirit's always there, but we can turn the other way, and it'll constantly remind us like, hello, I'm here. Um, so you kinda get my point, but yeah. So anyway, during this window period we are in, we have an incredible opportunity to achieve ascension, which to me is just human advancement, blossoming of our consciousness, our ability to switch on dormant abilities, and um, anyway, there's much that we are still up against that we have to be aware of so that we can cross the threshold and begin to shift this human experience. The Venus transit is what my path is all about, you know, understanding and the return of the sacred union of the divine masculine and feminine, the Christ Sophia, which is a personal initiation that all the planets and all the alignments are assisting us with. And because they have knowledge of the occult, 
and they want to keep us from that information by saying it's a pseudoscience or like trying to just kind of like push us away from this information or a new age bullshit. I mean, there is a lot of new age bullshit, don't get me wrong, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, um, they just want to keep us from that. It's not like, you know, you go to school and it's like, oh, period three, I'm going to go take galactic astrology course. It's like there's nothing available. So it's like, what's the point of even going to school? They're not teaching the stuff that we should know. And, uh, Talking to the tax people too, I'm like, you know, you guys told me I was dyslexic and I had learning disabilities, so how do you think I'm gonna freaking figure out how to do my taxes? I was dropped on my head, I have like all sorts of like, you know, inabilities to do this. Can I plead insanity? Like, they're like, oh my God. Um, but it's just like, you know what? You, you created like these stigmas, so here, I don't know how to do this. I can't read correctly, so sorry. Um, but anyway, that's. <laughs> Hopefully that'll work out. <clears throat> anyway, so just kind of getting into a little bit of you know, galactic stuff or history. The world was once far less dense than it is today. And when we dealt with galactic wars, cataclysms, and the collapse of the higher dimensional civilizations caused by exploding planets, that rapidly changed everything. We were dealing with abuses of free will, hybridization, and the manipulation of incarnate consciousness and our DNA. It has made it so much more difficult to maintain a multidimensional embodiment and connection to spirit because of all that has taken place in our galactic history while in physical form. In this profound window period, we have the opportunity to return to these higher planes of existence and really like lighten the heavy density. And that's part of like the lead into gold, which has a lot to do with Saturn. I'll get into that. Anyway, during the Atlantean cataclysm about 26,000 to 30,000 years ago, this is when the planetary stargates, the planetary grids, and ley lines became controlled by the negative alien races, such as the reptilians, the Anunnaki, Nephilim, the Alpha Draconis, Orion Group, Zetas, Greys, and some Nordics. Okay, so this is like Kelantic science, sort of Lisa Renee um, material, and this makes total sense to me. Um, it matches with so much other stuff, and I don't question what they have to share, um, but I never like fully, you know, I like to connect dots and not fully immerse myself in any one thing either, but it's like, because our DNA and our chakras are connected to the planetary grid network, it only makes sense that there is this overlay on the organic circuitry of Gaia and the history really makes sense. Um, and my book's coming out soon, I get into all of it. Um, and hopefully it'll be out by the end of the year or beginning of next year. And I'll keep my website updated about all that. But um, yeah, I mean, when Tiamat exploded, it was considered the Dragon Queen of Sophionic planet. And when that exploded, that whole idea of Akamoth and the Baphomet um, and the reversal mother energies came out of that trauma and embedded itself into the planet to the point where they were harnessing that energy and using that as satanic ritual abuse to keep harvesting and using the mother womb energy and turning it into kind of like a hell that they kind of like, um, they're, they're kind of like the dark lords that like, you know, hoard all the wealth and, and all the power and kind of like try and make us experience sort of like a hellish experience on earth. So the whole idea of this plutonic energy that I'll be talking about and going into the dark night of the soul and into the underworld is to return it to the creative cauldron and the mother womb and kind of like move through a lot of those mythologies where you hear about like Anana going to the seven gates of hell, Persephone getting, getting abducted by Hades and you know the Magdalene energy that had to expel all this stuff going into the seven gates, seven chakras basically where you clear yourself from the gatekeepers. This was very much a part of um, what took place in ancient you know, cultures is this initiation. So these initiations are in front of us, but they're weaponizing it or trying to confuse us, causing us fear of death, 
trying to mask us and do all the symbolic stuff to really just like cut off our capacity to breathe in the breath of life, to get these activations, um, and to you know, go through the plutonic cycle, even though we've all gone through it multiple times in our life, but as a collective, go through that initiation, they're completely like, okay, this is the perfect time to pull out this particular card, cause everybody fear about a virus, and, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that more. But anyway, the control of the planetary grid network is also what generates um, artificial timelines because basically all the false narratives, all the propaganda, all the mockingbird kind of stuff, all the intelligence that they um, have when it, uh, like about human psychology so that they can create constant psyops um, is part of that harvesting energy where we give our power away and they're able to battery up and keep these artificial timelines alive but it goes like way back in our history and there's so much information in regards to that. But anyway, mass biological and mind control devices exist well beyond the technology of implanting tiny physical chips into humans, which accompanied many of the abductions by the greys and non-benevolent Zetas, and also are an impending application of such electronic devices by the one world government to the population. Even brain signatures radiated by government HARP and Gwen Towers are relatively superficial compared with ancient existing global grid systems, which can be used for manipulating the evolution of all life on the planet, including the planet's evolution itself. So this is global grid systems and mass mind control. Noel Huntley, um, PhD, talks about this, and it just lines up with everything else about um, planetary grid network manipulation. They actually unplug certain parts of it. Uh, the Albion and Cathar Barty uh, near Glastonbury, where the masculine and feminine electric magnetic energy is supposed to connect. They've unplugged that. That whole circulation has been thrown off. The dodecahedron platonic solid was put in reversal. And the symbology of the inverted pentagram is sort of like the ether going into the ground. And that's fine because we are, we did come into physical matter, but it has to be flipped back up so that we can reconnect with the ether. And I'll get into like the corrections that have taken place. But basically all that symbology has to do with a, you know, the contamination of the elements that the four points of the star represent, earth, air, fire, water. Without access to the ether, the contamination and pollution and toxicity gets to be too much to the point where we're dealing with a humanity that has uh, an epidemic of cancers and neurological diseases, autoimmune disease, you know, uh, I mean, we're, we're a struggling humanity, um, no doubt, right? And if we were connected to truth and not like some of the mind control, that truth frequency would inform the body of like how to maintain health. So we're all figuring that out, deprogramming and finding empowerment in our health and our food choices and the help of herbs and stones and crystals and, and just like being real with ourselves to understand, okay, what ancestral pattern, what programming, what wound or trauma do I need to release? Not just because of maybe the mind control part of it, because I think we're all pretty darn clear when it comes to that, but just some of the stuff that keeps us looping um, and that maybe keeps our frequency in a place that keeps uh, feeding into that. So I know we've all been through an incredible journey when it comes to maintaining health and wellness, especially with being targeted and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we all know about this, but this is just in tandem with the manipulation of the planetary grid network. The ruling elite have devised chemtrails as a means of covertly microchipping us all <coughs> in order to create antennas inside of us via nanotechnology so as to make us totally controllable via a psycho-civilized, electrically mind-controlled society. Using HARP microwave antennas, the National Security Agency can establish a seamless computer link direct to our brains. The first are using chemtrails to get the nanoparticles into us, which are reassembling in our bodies to form the antennas. And okay, so we know like there's certain other ways to get that into our bodies, GMOs, you know, our water being contaminated, Everything that you know we're hearing about with 
you know, even the spike protein. I mean, I, I won't get into all that. But it's sort of like when you're not in the programming or the mind control part of it, it's, we can de-weaponize all this. If it was just enough to blast us with weapons and put this stuff in our food and in our air and in our bodies, they wouldn't bother with the propaganda. They'd be like, we don't need that because we're, we're filling them up with all this crap. So we don't need to worry about fake news or distortions in Hollywood or having monarch program people be in these influential positions to socially engineer society. We wouldn't need um, all the manipulation and aspects of the medical industry. Of course, it's not all bad. <clears throat> we wouldn't need these weird government puppets if it was just enough to blast us with all this. They need us to buy into the social engineering and mind control for the weapons to even work. So the minute our frequency is beyond it, the body gets spiritualized, it recognizes it as foreign because the mind's not playing into it, the brain computer is not agreeing to it, the body's just like, gets rid of it or alchemizes it. And I know this, and the stories like of people like Tony, I mean, look at what he's overcome. I mean, his stories yesterday were just so mind-blowing, and I've interviewed him a bunch of times, and I've heard so many of them. It's just like, it's just like, gets just, sorry, I don't mean to, like, hi there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just like amazing. The technology, like, the, the, the lengths that they go to, and uh, the power of our ability to remember and be uh, above that, and also, you know, ground it and anchor it. You know, we can also activate other people. Um, we can neutralize the technologies. Um, and as, you know, the, the assaults might get uh, a little bit more amped or a little bit more severe, our capacity to reach higher levels in the face of it becomes, um, like, more available. It's like, that's what a spiritual athlete and warrior does. In the face of obstacles and adversity, um, you get stronger in the face of it. You access more in the face of it instead of be victimized and, and weakened. Even if we have, you know, some of those days that it's just like... So anyway, artificial intelligence systems have been designed and weaponized, specialized for emotional and ultimately spiritual harassment. So that's what they need. They, 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 they need us to be kind of broken, um, depressed, anxiety-ridden. Um, they definitely want to get in the way of partnerships having harmony. Um, they, they want to break up family um, and friendships. And, uh, and once we allow that harassment to get the best of us, the AI signals become a lot stronger. Um, and we sometimes get linked into that. Um, where the false solutions, the problem, reaction, solution kind of like brings people in like, okay, that's going to solve it. Something outside of myself is going to solve it. Or like maybe that pharmaceutical will treat my depression. It's just like, no, being depressed and angry is a very healthy response to all the BS we're dealing with. So we're going to have those kind of days. And I'd rather, I'd rather be bedridden and depressed for like God knows how long than like mask it because we have to experience that. The earth has like water, air, earth, fire, and I mean, we have to experience these elements because on the flip side of anger, depression, anxiety is our mission, is our calling, is the reasons why we're affected. And then it gives us the wisdom of, okay, so let's get up and do something about it. Whatever we're depressed about, we're meant to stand up and do something about it. You know, sort of like nobody, we can't expect somebody outside of us to do it, but we can answer to it and understand it. Like, I always say, like, interview it. Like, what do you want? Why are you like this? And when I did that in, in some of my darker years, it, it unveiled, like, purpose and, like, you know, get up and do it, you know? Because if you don't, you're just going to be miserable. And even the anxiety, which, you know, I, I still struggle with. But, um, you know, just, of course, I mean, it's hard not to get bummed out about a lot of what we're seeing. But, uh, but, but our call to action is the flip side of a lot of these harder emotions. And to me, the alchemical aspect of it is that we feel into it. We know it's not something that we're going to, like, be dealing with long term, but if we understand it, we're going to move through it that much quicker and rise like the phoenix 
and come out the other end okay. And this is kind of the growth period humanity is going through in this sort of life review and this sort of madness of being sort of held uh, in, in the birth canal, kind of like stunted, like kind of locked in the cocoon. With that fear of death, you're afraid of the transformation. Death, rebirth, alchemy, and transformation are the properties of Pluto. So once people get over the fear of death part, then the transformational part can come in, and we can die multiple times in the same physical vessel and become more uh, in self-mastery over all these tactics to just create that sort of paranoia. Um, so, I mean, like, there's many ways to die. I mean, like, and, and like, I, I, I hope, you know, I'm not redundant with some of the things I say, but, you know, it's like when you choke on peanut butter or a tortilla chip, I'm like, is this really how I'm going to die? Like, after all that I've been through, a tortilla chip's going to take me out. Okay. Like, and then I, it's just like, and then I start laughing. I'm like, now I'm going to die of laughter. That's <laughs> really, um, and sometimes, it, like, I laugh so hard, I literally feel like, like I'm stopped breathing, but um, that's why, yeah. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so anyway. Like I was saying about AI, this is so that the emotional and spiritual energies get lowered to the level that a machine can entrain, follow, mimic, match, record, modify, and replicate that energetic blueprint. So we're kind of looping in patterns. We attract people that trigger those patterns, and we're kind of like in this, you know, loop. And, and that's where the AI really, like, has a grip. Because it's artificial intelligence. Nothing really to fear, because if it's artificial, there's divine wisdom and intelligence that we can switch on in the face of it and defy those moments where we might feel... Um, like it's putting its hooks in us. So anyway, if our consciousness is above this and not in the programming, we aren't as impacted. Um, and to me, it's like we're gardeners of our own soul. We have to yank weeds. We have to do daily maintenance. We have to do that in our own kitchens. If we don't clean up after a meal and we just leave it all on the counter, we're going to attract germs and mice and rats and roaches and like all sorts of stuff. We know that, okay, I made a meal, clean it up so I can make the next meal. So we have to do that with our minds, our brains, our emotions. Um, constantly and, and realize, okay, if we're overloaded or we took on too much or we're, we're falling into a weird patterning, like, we just have to do the maintenance. Um, some kind of new age BS, I think, you know, it's just you reach a state of enlightenment and then you stay there and remain there. And if you slip, it's like, oh, you know, you're not really on your spiritual path anymore. It's just like, anyway, I, I'm not going to put down anything like that. But it's, it's just to me, and, and maybe that's not other people's truth. I don't have the ultimate truth. But I think there's sort of a danger in some of that and we become hard on ourselves, and when we do slip into sort of negative emotions, and this is their tactic, and I'll get into that as far as the spiritual attacks that happen once we start to get above the seven chakras. But anyway, this is uh, just, uh, there's the artificial tree of life, 10-based distortion, it's draconian, that has been overlaid on the planetary grid network, the artificial tree of life that's part of all these reversals and disconnects. And then there's the true organic timeline, which gives us access to our 12-strand DNA. The 12 tribes, the 12 stargates is all connected with this. The 13th gate, which connects us with the core diamond heart within the planet, um, where the location is Uluru, Australia. Um, that's what the grid work and the healing has been all about, and also recovering our divine template. When we're in the 10D-based distortion, we're digressing, we're feeding a vampiric system, and it's the phantom matrix overlay and the AI timelines. So some of these things just need, you know, correction. Um, if you find that you have a picture of a tree of life and it has 10 spheres, don't worry. You, just because that symbology might be in your life, it doesn't mean you're being controlled by it. But it's just like, you know, just draw two more spheres. <laughs> and it's like the 12 sphere, our 12 strand DNA. And um, because if you Google the tree of life, you'll find that a lot of uh, the blueprints that they sell or that they have um, are, are based in the 10 um, sphere, which means that two of the gateways, stargates, are blocked, which keeps us from that greater consciousness. But we can override it. Jermaine's going to really be getting into that. 
um, which is gonna be awesome. Uh, and, and there's so much more you know, to all that. So you know, it's, it's, symbols don't control us, but they are symbolic, they have a subliminal effect on people. But those that are awakened, I mean, we can create those corrections in our head and in our minds and, and relate to a patterning and actually, you know, maybe, you know, do repair work. And that's what doing grid work is all about. So, um, yeah. Okay. And so that, uh, this is um, from Ascension Glossary. This is where I got this particular uh, picture. And I just really... I mean, it's amazing when you think about it because the draconian energy compromised their DNA on purpose. They can't have direct connect to source energy because of it. Um, they blocked the ability for anybody to come in and heal their uh, bloodlines. And even um, one of the reasons these dark technologies were put in place because there was a rebellion towards the attempted healing of those bloodlines as well. So it doesn't matter positive or negative blood. It's also related to the positive charge of the magnetic and electrical energies. And that's why unity consciousness is important. When we put the positive and negative together, you know, we all have different blood types, right? When we put that together, we're integrating this stuff. And the root races, the seven root races and five cloister races add to 12, that over the course of time, the root races would come together. We'd help switch each other's DNA on. But this is why there's Holocaust and genocide, because they don't want that. Um, when, when a particular root race comes in or comes into like greater power, it's like usually that's when they're about ready to wipe out a whole race. Now they're looking to depopulate and kind of wipe us all out, but yeah. So anyway, um, descending hub, low frequency, it's unstable, makes one vulnerable. Um, and when we talk about bifurcation, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how to really visualize it, but what I see is sort of a splitting, but a bridge between the two timelines because a lot of people that are in service that still want to help and assist that aren't just gonna be like, oh, we're bifurcating away, see ya. You know, there's gonna be a lot of people that have an agreement to still kind of interact and stay close to this bifurcating timeline, maybe as a spirit guide, maybe as some kind of source of helping that person to recover once they're like, okay, wow, I feel like I'm losing my soul. We're gonna be able to find great tools and modalities that already exist to help people recover from these assaults. And I think a lot of people have a commitment to do anything it takes. I'm trying to create a healing center and a way to help with the damage from a lot of this. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I just see more of a bridge. Some people will move on because it's time. Others might not. Um, but, but to each their own, there's no right or wrong move at all, as long as you're being true to yourself. Um, we all have our agreements, our past lives, and just, you know, when enough is enough kind of deal. And I'm sure like many mornings we wake up like, freaking enough already. But then it's like, okay. Uh, so this is the full tree of life. If you see it broken up into, you got the 3D, one, two, three. That's where they wanna keep us in sort of the 3D thinking. That's the personality matrix. When the personality matrix is open to the rest, then the personality nature, the third chakra, is able to bring in uh, you know, spirit energy and soul energy so that the personality really um, holds that as a frequency. Like when we meet each other, we feel that soul connection and familiarity. Some people are like, oh, hi. And like, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, when was the last time I saw you? Like, I haven't never met you. I'm like, oh, my God, you're so familiar. Um, you know, we're accessing each other on a deep level because we're all much soul-centered, right? Um, and we're, we, we just have this ability to kind of meet each other but access something much deeper than just an engineered personality. Like, um, so anyway, we can go beyond 3D. This is not a 3D planet. That's just the program. Um, when we talk about 5D, we're moving into the soul matrix, dimensions four, five, and six. It relates to our throat chakra, because this is where the power is. If we're spreading propaganda and narratives and mind viruses, then we're going to be expressing it. We're going to be sharing it with our friends and family. We're going to be expressing it, and it creates a sort of magic and an enabling of a future we don't want. 
you know, it's kind of like a accidental sort of like magic of choosing words that aren't in alignment with truth. When we go into 5D, we have an empowered throat chakra. We're speaking truth. That truth frequency activates people, and we're able to really blossom into the rest of ourselves. So to me, the 5D has a lot to do with throat chakra and the fifth element, ether. When we are connected with that ether, it purifies all our chakras, particularly our throat, and we're able to speak on a level that inspires people, activates people, helps them to feel more like themselves, like they have permission to be themselves. That's when we're really in that 5D energy because we're soul-centered. And then it goes you know, on, it's just you know, beyond um, that, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. When we go into 7, 8, 9, we activate galactic chakras and I'll show a little bit more about that. But the thing is we jump around all the time as is. A lot of people are accessing the 12th dimension, 13th dimension, um, and working on maybe anchoring and grounding it. Like in any given day, we can pop up there but it's like the physical body, we have to be consistent in really anchoring it and grounding it so that we can eventually figure out how to advance this human vessel. And eventually it's gonna turn into a starship, Merkaba kind of thing, and we're just gonna be like floating around, just like, hey, you know? Um, it might take a while, but uh, you know, I can see like that when we gather uh, in the future that you know, we'll be showing up in our starships. And um, you know, but, but we all have like a different affinity depending on our astro charts, right? Um, whether we have more earth signs or maybe more, um, you know, but we're helping each other share these energies so that we can rebuild the DNA architecture. And once we get to a certain place, the charts don't matter anymore because the whole idea of understanding the patterning and growing from it and finding how to breathe through the initiation and what's actually available, then we move into the zero point unified field and the patternings don't matter so much. So as an astrologer, I kind of look at it as a treasure map and I want to help people find that treasure, that zero point energy, that neutrality, and that um, you know, ability to, to feel the whole zodiac. Because we're every element, we, we have all of it. We're just given a certain map or things to kind of work on and also bring to others to switch all this on because we're helping each other switch this on. So unity consciousness isn't just like community and just love and like, you know, I mean, but that's important so that we can switch each other on. We have no idea how much we're impacting each other. When we give each other hugs, we shake each other's hands, we look into each other's eyes, we all have a gift to give one another. We all have a purpose in that, so that's really amazing. So um, here's a quote from Lisa Renee. The mother aspect, the mother God aspect of wisdom, Sophia, is the embodiment of that inherent truth within the natural laws which cannot be replicated or falsified in matter because it exists with the eternal state. The planet and its peoples cannot go against Mother Nature, the natural laws forever, without a correction, uh, a correction or annihilation in the timeline. This is the inner conflict of which humanity now faces. So, you know, it kind of like, it expires, but they're using transhumanism and dark technology um, to, to have a life cycle. So they require us as a food source for that reason. Even if they want to depopulate part of the population, they really do require, um, you know, the use of this technology to have a life cycle. And, and to defy the death, to be able to jump timelines, go, you know, you use time travel technology and stuff to, to escape the whole death process. And that's why, you know, adrenochrome and these rituals and all these different mechanisms they use in order to, you know, stay alive and to stay in power and to stay the wealthy ones while they're trying to dumb us down and cause us to forget the most important thing, which is who we truly are. So our emotional body is linked magnetically to the earth. So humanity is now learning how to dispel all beliefs and behaviors that don't fit into the new paradigm. Zero point is the breaking point beyond which the insanity of the old timeline will no longer be able to survive. So when we just do that within ourselves and find that zone, we don't have to really worry about like, oh, you know, are we on a negative timeline? Or are we at the mercy of the unawakened humanity that's like really just, 
you know, if they don't like figure it out, are we all screwed? Um, I don't see that or feel that because what we access has a lot to do with what we manifest and also the synchronicities and the things that we draw to us. That's why we're all here together because there's nothing that was going to stop us. It doesn't even matter. I mean, the tires were slashed on the plane before I left. Who the hell slashed the tires? <laughs> like, um, and they had to jack up the plane and change the tire. And, and, and I thought it was a flat tire, but then it was like going around. Everybody's talking It's like, no, they slashed the tires. So it's just like, you know, so what? We're a little bit delayed. And um, I'm just glad they didn't mess with like the mechanics. But, you know, we all have stories of how difficult sometimes it is to get somewhere. But there's, when we're in this certain synchronicity or frequency, um, I just feel like, you know, there's no way anybody's going to stop us no matter what it takes. Even if, yeah, regardless, yeah. The energy is so much lower, like of somebody who's, you know, really out for dark purposes. It's nothing compared to the love and spirit energies. So I'll just talk a little bit about the Saturn Moon Matrix stuff. Um, I've talked about it quite a bit before, but just real quick. Um, a black cube matrix is the core of the planet Saturn, according to certain sources. It makes sense in what I've learned in astrology and studying galactic history. Every planet has different octaves and different levels. There's a shadow side to every planet. There's kind of a higher octave to every planet. And I'll get into that a little bit more. But anyway, it siphons life force from living systems and beings and routes it back into its black hole system. Uh, this is the time loop. Dark technologies placed in the Earth grids, implants, and other methods are how this is uh, successful. 5D false ascension programs are transmitted through the Saturn black cube, as well as things to trigger events and trigger us. The Saturn moon matrix is basically the patriarchal programming impacting both men and women, where tyranny rules and we are cut off from our own innate divine power, and so we're relating through the filter of distortions and social engineered expressions. There are dark technologies we need to gain a greater understanding of so we know what we are dealing with. The Earth holds a diamond heart, and as we are aligned with the galactic plane, we are able to activate our inner divine blueprint and generate a lot of pure light into the world, not discounting the integration of polarity with the dark, the creative cauldron and birthing center. So true dark is that womb energy, that, which is within men and women. And the light energy is the higher consciousness, the seeds of our higher consciousness that creates visions and dreams that we plant in the soil, in the womb, to generate reality, to generate just our, our, our reality, and, and that's our ability to manifest. So the duality and the kind of fear of the dark and the things hiding in the dark, we've now brought to light. There's no more secret space program. It's been exposed by these just amazing, strong individuals that have brought it to light. And just getting out of this recruitment and understanding this and the multi-levels of all this, um, it's just like really wild. Wow, the compartmentalism is something else. So anyway, as we know, <laughs> Media has an important role in spinning disinformation and targeting humanity in a mass mind control operation. Of course, you know, through things like, you know, Project Paperclip and things that happened after the Second World War. And I've come across amazing information that really helps explain what happened in ways that I haven't even heard, but it matches with other things. And I just, if somebody could give me like a 15 minute warning before I need to end, that would help because I, I sometimes sit on a slide for too long. But <clears throat> anyway. It is directed psychological and an emotional operation used against the public. It intends to incite people into violence and tell you how to think. It is used to derail important facts and cover up the news we need to hear. I mean, this is all something obvious to all of us. Um, cosmic and natural law are encoded with our ability to create alchemy and transformation, mass healing. So, you know, we, we all know this. We all know this. Um, and also know that our devices and different things that they put in people can turn them into, I mean, if you look at some of the headlines, you know, it's like they're getting worse, you know, mother killing their kids, you know, people just acting out, people doing things that they don't even remember doing. Um, and it's just, 
just really alarming. Um, and some people are like, I don't know what took over me. And we've been seeing that for a while, but um, with the latest attempt to just really compromise a person with this mind control, uh, it's gonna be a lot to, to, to move through and, and witness along the way. But um, I know we're gonna pull our resources and we're gonna just have retreats and we're gonna just, there's so much in store. Um, and, and we'll just figure out how to uh, just uh, get to the other side and help humanity break free as much as possible. As we clear false and inorganic architecture from suppressing and impairing our consciousness, we are extracting the alien enslavement programming, alien implants and mind control in order to embody our true inner Christo spirit and return to the zero point unified field, the heart of the God gateway leading into the seven higher universes. So this has a lot to do with our chakras. The zero point field has a lot to do with the mother energy as well and the cosmic trinity. <clears throat> So, okay, I don't want to read this whole thing, but I've been talking to somebody named Dan Cooper. He was supposed to be at this conference. Um, with certain individuals, there's always maybe some red flags or some things that don't quite resonate, but there's always like major, major nuggets. So I don't know what your guys' experiences are and if you have come across some of those feelings. Um, there is some legit stuff that I definitely want to bring forward that he shares that connects with other things that I know. But I, I mean, I do understand that like not everybody's going to have 100%. And he admits that too. He's like, well, some of my assessments might not be correct, but this is just what I think. And he goes, you have to know the difference, but there are some things that I know, and I'm gonna share those things with you. So um, I just wanna kinda bring it to light. This is a bit about him. He professes to be an expert researcher, a talent that he honed through 20 years of performing legal research. Uh, he claims that his knowledge of these uh, historical events described herein came originally from both of his two Nazi SS commanding officers, who commanding him during his 20 and back stint with the Nazi's dark fleet, um, these two Nazi SS officers related and often bragged about their personal participation in the Battle of DC, July 19, 1952, whereat the Nazis defeated the United States and forced them to surrender unconditionally to them. He also claims that his personal knowledge of the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, and 8th fundamental forces of nature guided him in uh, ferreting out the actual historical developments of the technologies employed in the unacknowledged secret access programs of the United States. He claims to be the senior advisor to the Earth Alliance. and. Um, so uh, I was just on a thread under a video I did with Dan Willis and I believe Michael Sala, it was an interview, I think Elena was on that one. And uh, he posted the video and we're just commenting underneath it, just kind of like having a conversation. Dan Cooper jumps on and he starts talking about this stuff. He wasn't directing it at me and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what are you saying? And uh, so anyway, I got to know him recently after he put some comments under a video interview roundtable I did. He never reached out to me. He never asked for money for his time when I was beyond intrigued about what he was sharing in the comments under a video I did with Dan Willis and Elena. I began to ask questions, he directly answered me in the comments. Um, and, and what was interesting is like, I know that we are destined to meet and he acknowledges that, but he never like, like some people do, like go out of their way to just get your attention. Um, and from that kind of position, I mean, that's fine if somebody does that, of course, but sometimes, you know, it's can be sort of questionable when it comes to certain people, because I've dealt with a lot of plants and a lot of disinfo kind of people doing that. But he just kind of like sat back and I'm like, here's my email, you want to communicate? He's like, oh yeah. And emailed me right away, he's like, it's Dan Cooper. So I'm like, okay. So I probably have 80 screenshots and 10 to 20 pages of exchanges back and forth with him. 
and asking any question on his son, he immediately responds. I'm always like, thank you for your time, like this and that. I'm like, I won't bug you too many with you know, questions. He's like, no, bring it on. I'm like, okay. So anyway, um, I then sent him my email and he contacted me right away saying, hi, this is Dan. This unconditional surrender that took place in 1952 was something I wasn't very familiar with. I was familiar with the uh, UFOs flying over around that date um, and certain negotiations that happened with the Nazis, Admiral Byrd's defeat and, uh, you know, um, uh, Operation High Jump, and uh, uh, you know some of the things that took place after the Second World War, and how the war wasn't really won. But I was still just hearing a lot about ET government treaties, Eisenhower signing with the Greys, first meeting with the Nordics, and I was just trying to understand all that for a long, long time. But I came across other research, I kept digging, I'm like, I know there's more to this, and I just don't understand how it was really possible. Um, and so I got, you know, kind of a lot of answers. I, and again, I said I wouldn't read the whole thing in the last slide, and I did anyway, but I'm going to kind of skim through this. Um, so he says to me, okay, so about this 1952 unconditional surrender agreement, um, but this wasn't something I was terribly familiar with, and I was wondering what Ike's position in all of this was, since mostly what I'm hearing for quite some time was that he signed a treaty with the Greys in 1954 called the Griotta Treaty. I've done presentations about it, but I'm like, I don't have solid proof, and something's always nudging me to dig deeper. So, so you know, just there's going to be more to this conversation. And, and over the course of many years, I've added a lot more. But then this is just recent. So anyway, he said, Ike had no choice but to openly comply with the official instrument of surrender, the unconditional surrender of the United States to the Nazis, signed by all of Congress and most of the prominent businessmen of the period of July 19, 1952, when Truman was president of the United States. So Ike opposed the instrument of surrender of 52 secretly by establishing various military and civilian covert units for that purpose. One of them was Ike's Force, also known as the United States Marine Corps Special Section, or USMC Special Section for short, which survives today. In fact, that US military unit is the most successful military unit opposing the ICC Nazi Draconian Empire Alliance, today by far. Um, he ordered the first attack on the Greys, deep underground military base at Dulce, New Mexico. This is not the Dulce Wars we hear about with Phil Schneider. This is earlier. Uh, knowing that he would lose that battle just to learn more about his enemy and to test his best against them. They, the U.S. Army Rangers, also the Green Berets, lost 30 to 1 back then. This battle at that deep underground military base of the Greys occurred more than a decade before the one reportedly to have occurred in 1969 and was a much larger engagement. Several thousand U.S. Special Forces troops engaged against the Greys' forces then, and nearly half of them lost their lives in that action. Ike also established the White Hats, the first of which were Texan U.S. generals and admirals. That's where the name White Hats came from, Ike. Ike's White Hats are the ones that brought Ronald Reagan into the fold right after the ICC Nazi Draco Alliance had sh him shot for attempting to disclose the secret space program fully. It was Reagan and the White Hats that had me convince China to do business and to teach China how to do business to make them a powerful ally in the fight against the ICC Nazi Draco Alliance. And of course, this is deeper layers than the communist kind of China that we see. In other words, it was like that established the Earth Alliance. If it weren't for him, there, would be, uh, there wouldn't be an Earth Alliance today in the position to defeat the ICC Nazi Draco Alliance. Barack Obama also made an attempt, but we know he's compromised. I, I know he got pulled back in. There's a whole reprogram that happens with some of these people. He was supposedly in the uh, Mars training program with Andrew Bashago under the name Barry Satoro. And I, when I was supposed to actually be on Mars, the date that they set, um, I ended up at a conference uh, with Star Knowledge right at that location and saw the Venus transit over the sun right at the College of Siskiyou's where the Mars training program was with Andrew Bashago. I was like, this is like major synchronicity here. And I'm like, like 
flipping on people like, like what I'm like I was supposed to be on Mars and I'm watching the Venus transit and I'm like right on top of where the Mars training program was they're like wow what <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like and it was so synchronistic because I ran into somebody they're like oh yeah we have a telescope you know come on over they weren't even part of the event so that was really cool kind of interesting synchronicities like the oh, that story that um so anyway uh his attempt failed. They, the ICC Nazi Draco Alliance, actually reversed time to counter that attempt with another special unit, a civilian one, established by Ike. He also ensured that numerous photos and videos of Nazi spacecraft and other secret space program technology would continue to resurface and reach the people in the mass and alternative medias. So it's just so great, this dot connecting of how we've all come together and how we've been able to expose what they weren't able to expose. And after, you know, him carrying the weight and burden of this accusation of selling us out to graze, it's really wild that he might have started all this stuff that we hear about. But then it's like, they're not gonna do it for us though, and it's like, kind of like, well, where are they? What, you know, is mass arrest really happening? You know, what kind of operations are taking place? They're like, most of that is disinfo, that's not happening, we haven't really invaded the underground bases. But again, he's one person in the whole mix, there might be more, um, and I take all information with a grain of salt, but. When he was telling me this, it's just kind of like, you know, when you feel kind of like truth, it, it just feels grounding. Then I could just feel like the Ike energy in Val Thor just being like, ah, oh, yes, you know, you're finally in touch with this information. And, you know, part of my mission is to sort of exonerate him, not on a bias level, or, oh, you know, because it's a family member. We're a global family. To me, I mean, he loves the human race. And, and to me, we're all related to each other. So I don't have any like, oh, because I'm related to him, like any kind of... But, but I know that like, I was tasked with making sure that this information came out and I would never stop digging. So anyway, according to Dan Cooper, the US surrendered to the Nazis unconditionally uh, on July 19, 1952. This was under the Truman administration and something Eisenhower wasn't willing to go along with. His two Nazi commanding officers in Dark Fleet and his white hat US Navy uh, Vice Admiral told me what the terms of the unconditional surrender instrument of the US surrendering to the Nazis on July 19, 1952 were. One term divested the power to sign treaties with alien species into the hands of MJ-12. Hence, Dwight could not have possibly signed any agreements with any alien species. He did not have the legal power to do so. He wasn't even allowed to attend the negotiations. What to speak of being made privy to the terms of those agreements? That's how I know what Elena said to you about MJ-12 going behind Ike's back is true. So that's another validation. And, and also, Lisa Renee, since the majestic 12 and Zeta Gray alien trade agreements were made about 85 years ago, Earth inhabitants have been aggressively experimented upon with hidden technologies used to implant thoughts as one of the many prongs of social engineering programs. So for the last decade, ever since I've been a public person, the amount of mail I get of your great-grandfather sold us out to the Grays is like so mind-blowing, like the amount in comments, you know, under videos, and it's like, okay, I can take it, whatever, I, I know there's more to this story. But it's just like, you know, for somebody that has done so much for the human race to carry that, you know, burden of like being at fault for this. I mean, he tried to defeat the Nazis. And, and even if, you know, I was thinking, even if, you know, there was a signed agreement, you know, maybe his hands were tied, maybe he was threatened, maybe they had him under some sort of control. Because um, I could just feel like his just like trying to help me sort this stuff out. So um, anyway, MJ-12, yeah. And uh, they just use these cover stories to hide behind. Um, and also just, you know, people are like, oh, your great-grandfather starved millions of Germans and this and that. I'm like, okay, I know there's more to the story than this. And I researched, you know, the book by Bach, and I researched all the, everything under the sun about the different, um, uh, what do you call it, policies or whatever, the things he had to answer to. I did a presentation I never presented yet, 
but I got to the bottom of it. I'm like, there's no way that that happened. And now uh, somebody just came out with a documentary. I think his name is Mark Feldman or Felden on that exonerates Eisenhower as well. So that didn't happen. And here's what really happened. And um, so, you know, hopefully that lifts a lot of the, you know, hatred and he's a war criminal and he's, you know, did this genocide. He's worse than Hitler. You know, it's just like, it's nice to just feel like oh, a lot of that is just cleared out of the way, you know, because, um, you know, I just know that like he's, you know, with us and same with, you know, people like Val Thor. And I don't want to share this like, you know, because like, he's saying I'm special. I don't feel fucking special. So I'm not sharing this like, oh, but I'm just I, like, I couldn't believe this. I'm trying not to F-bomb here. But anyway, Elena Danan then engages in direct communication with Val Thor. And this is a part of uh, her book. There's so much more, like, incredible information in there. But the only reason I'm sharing it is because sometimes I'm like, why aren't they, like, visiting me? And, like, you know, like, can I just go up on the ship and, like, have, like, a one-on-one? -on -one? Like I was saying earlier. But it's, so it's interesting to get a message, you know, through somebody. So anyway, Elena says, uh, Commander Val, after I met you for the first time, um, she says to him, I had the privilege to connect with President Dwight's great-granddaughter, Laura. We spoke about you and about what happened with the treaty. She knew the truth deep within herself, and she was glad you confirmed it. Val Thor replies, Laura, yes, I know who you're talking about. I met her once, but she didn't know it was me. I vowed to look after Dwight's descendants, and you know Laura's very special. She came to restore the truth. She needed to learn about the faces and the plans of the enemy, but I always protected her all along, and so did Dwight until this day. Laura holds a guiding light, which will be followed by many. Give her my salutations. And I'm just like, you know, oh man because most of the time like I, I don't I don't I don't walk around like with my presentations like completely anchored in me I'm like a bumbling like human like oh I can't like deal and uh you know it's just like I mean it's like yeah that's why I love coming to conferences because it like reinforces the things that I just really have to know in my heart and I it's not like I ever lose it but um yeah, but yeah, it's just like nice to just like feel that because I wouldn't say I go into, I don't go into self-doubt, but like sometimes I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it. But so that really meant a lot to me. And, um, but, but, you know, part of me is just like, is this a joke? <laughs> but I, I'm going to accept it. And it means a lot to me because it's just like sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, and I talked to Lisa Renee recently and just with some stuff going on sometimes, you know, when you're in kind of like a, I wouldn't say a dark place, but maybe dark place. You know, it's like, have I failed the mission? Did I just not do it? Like, what, what if I, you know? And it's not like I want to put, you know, the, that weight on me. We're all carrying, you know, a piece of that weight. But, um, you know, and it's just, the confirmation is just, like, really cool. And, like, you know, and, like, Ike's really proud. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I just hope they're not always, like, watching me because I'm, like, really, like, I'm like, I don't want to scare them off, you know, like, oh, my God. Um, anyway, I know they're like, no, maybe we'll just leave her alone right now. <laughs> Let her have a little freak out. Because I am like a raging volcano sometimes. And like, I'm like, it's nice to have deaf neighbors because they wave at you and you're like, oh, good. <laughs> and I'm not like raging towards anybody, but like, you know. Okay, so anyway, the Pluto returns is happening in the United States. The Pluto will return to the exact same position it was in when the United States was born on three dates in 2022, February 22nd, July 11th, and December 28th. It's peaking as this Pluto returns. We have never experienced this before. However, the energy of this cosmic phenomenon has been felt for many years, already uh, seen with the tumultuous clash between political parties, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so this is you know, from an astrologer, Kyle Thomas. Anyway, so when we're in an initiation like we are, this is a very significant thing. Stunting our growth is what they attempt to do. You guys know who they means, anyway. 
And we're in this Pluto and Capricorn, death of the matrix control. It's a transformation. It's really us removing ourselves from old paradigm and lower Saturn energy. Saturn rules Capricorn. The shadow side of Pluto is suicidal thoughts, heavy energy, darkness, feeling stuck in the birth canal, not wanting to get out of the cocoon. What happens when we resist these energies? Our, our immune system is lowered. We get hijacked. Our energies get siphoned. We feel hopeless, lost, and confused. We're in survival. We're reactive. We're ungrounded. So we need to increase our spiritual immune system, heal our mental and emotional bodies, and the physical will follow. So we got to move through the initiation. You know, I'm sure people are experiencing some kind of life review or some sort of release of something, maybe even a job or a relationship. You know, there's putting a person in like, oh my God, what does this mean for my future? And this is where we have to radically kind of trust ourselves and trust um, the greater cosmic natural laws and knowing when we step into our calling and mission, the synchronicities really begin to flow. And my life proves that, you know, living on the road for so long, raising kids out of vehicles and, uh, like leaving so much behind and just being like, I don't know what to, you know, I don't know where I'm headed or where I'm going, but um, the synchronicities. Every time I dropped sort of the feeling of like, I'm totally screwed, um, everything that I attracted and manifested was a completely different thing. I would just be in the now, I'm like abundant and like everything's gonna be fine. Even if I have like, you know, less than $5 in the bank, I'm still abundant and like everything's where it should be. And unbelievable stuff would happen. I'd pull money out of the ground, I'd meet the right people. And I just felt like, wow, you know, things were really beginning to fall into place. And like, there's such a greater thing when we step away from that matrix um, and that dependency. And, and uh, sometimes we have to wing it for a while, but like, it doesn't matter. Even if we have to live out of a vehicle and we're low on money, um, there's something else going on. And we all have each other as well to help each other through some of these changes that might not feel very comfortable to people. Um, but that's kind of why I, I think I had the background I had to help people kind of transition and that's why I want a healing center, not just for healing, but to have a retreat place. So if people lose their jobs or can't pay rent or like are stuck, that they have a place to go for a while and take a breath and like figure it out. Um, so I hope that all works out. So anyway, um, growth of pathogens are connected to mind control because the mind is no longer connected with truth. Stunted in birth canal, not able to go through transformation cycle due to fear of death. Pluto actually rules viruses, also transformation and alchemy. Transiting Pluto is like a psychotherapist, so it forces us to like really dig deep and come to terms with a lot. Um, and uh, we're entering a Pluto returns, we already are there. And last time this return happened was the Revolutionary War. So anyway, this whole kind of dark night of the soul, it's like going into hell to move past gatekeepers and controls to restore the room, like I talked about, um, dark night of the soul. Uh, when it's time to face our own darkness, it gives us an opportunity to clear programmings and all the things that have we've been unconscious to. Um, that is leading us astray. And this is how we overcome our conic controls, patriarchy, negative ET agenda. It's the full experience. And that's why the crone archetype is all about finding that lantern of wisdom when you're in the dark, when you feel nothing's there supporting you, when you feel cut off um, and a lack of guidance. Well, that's when we have to really uh, find wisdom and illuminate the inner lantern to, to guide the way. And that's why I got the labyrinth, because I'm like, oh man, you know, after like a major dark night of the soul, and I think I'm done, I'm like, oh yeah, I think you're done with the dark night of the souls. I'm like, no. It's like, it's like, for, like endless. Um, but anyway, but I'm like, I'm like, I just went through this, you know, and I, I gotta write that down. And it's the labyrinth, and, um, and uh, yeah, it's very symbolic of just kind of unwinding from all this kind of stuff and rebirthing. And, that kind of thing. So anyway, the labyrinth harmonizes the DNA of the individual with the Earth's elemental patterns. The labyrinth as a path is the gateway to the underworld. In this day and age, it's a literal hell that needs to be purified back to the mother womb. This is a path about planting seeds and it creates global alchemy going into the lead to turn it into gold. Um, the old thinking about the underworld and how it relates to the labyrinth is that they're both easy uh, to get into. You will more than likely get lost. They are dark. You will more than likely die. And it is the land of no return. 
In actual fact, it's a place to die and be reborn. Like we see in like Avalon and Glastonbury, it was very much about that initiation and the goddess energies and just like being reborn. And the land was like designed all around this kind of thing. Um, anyway, in a world that is void of assisting us with these transformative initiations, and in a world where darkness is more of a place where control agendas hide, and where our shadow self is inflicted with the wounds and behavior patterns that need to go, we avoid it. It's a place no one wants to go. So people do anything to avoid that initiation of going into the underworld or the dark night of the soul, because it's so challenging at first. But once we start getting used to it, we can kind of speed up the process and not like really freak out. And, um, and, and that's where we really find sovereignty. Uh, is to just kind of get through it and, and, and get to the other side. Sometimes we have no choice. Uh, those who came here to really do the inner work for the planet cannot avoid this. As events line up to throw us into this process, it's not like, oh my God, I want to go into the underworld and dark night of the soul. Um, it just happens because of an event that takes place, maybe you know, even an injury, an accident, a breakup, a loss of something, um, or just like hitting like a plutonic transit, or if you have Pluto next to your sun, like I do in my chart, it's kind of like, you know, kind of a regular thing. So getting out of the captivity of Hades and dark overlords of the underworld and the deep state cabal, we need to connect with this mother energy, the Hakate energy, the transformational process that needs to take place. We can free ourselves through divine wisdom and become the crone. Persephone is almost like humanity captured by control forces like Hades, you know, stuck in the underworld. But like as spring has hit and we are in this season of Venus and Mars being in Aquarius, Pluto's eventually gonna move into Aquarius and all this Piscean energy, Neptune, um, Venus and Jupiter, this is like, you know, we have this chance to like really move to the next level as a humanity, as we're doing it <clears throat> ourselves individually. We are relieving historical pa uh, patterns. We are reliving ancient myths. It just dresses itself differently, but it's the same challenge. To rise and to be reborn like the spring in all of its beauty and abundance. We do not need to stay chained to the underworld under the control of death and the fear of life. When we break these chains, we shift the pattern and the living myth that exists within the soul is returned to the earth as a sovereign being. And we're rising with this you know, energy. Pluto Hades is a god of last resort, called on by those who already feel they've lost everything. Its realm is extreme transformation, and those in states of agony, despair, and grief that have crossed the threshold into the underworld find an ally when they're on their knees. When you've lost your fear of dying, you are ready to meet the purifying fires of the Pluto Hades energy. Then you begin to remove yourself of the chains, and then Hades really has no control or power anymore. I remember like being young and like really connecting to these archetypes and just being like, I shouldn't eat any pomegranates. Because like, that's what got us in this, you know, like having to visit the underworld. I was like, but now I drink pomegranate juice all the time. I'm like, so I don't know. <laughs> it's like really good for you. But anyway, so here, here's where it gets kind of weird. So psycho-spiritual warfare is radically increased when a person is entering the integration stages of the seven, eight, and nine of the monadic spiritual triad, because this is who, when we begin to achieve hierogamos and ascension, this is what was lost in 70 Earth, also when Tiamat exploded. There was no separation from these higher energies before. So uh, this is from uh, Ascension Glossary, the Lisa Renee's. Um, this is just such an incredible chart to look at. If you see the morphogenetic chakra eight is gold, um, and the morphogenetic chakra nine is silver, and it's all about male-female balance. To really begin to switch on the dormant DNA, it has to do with the integration of polarity. So it can feel complicated, like how do we switch this stuff on? But when we see it as a love story, and we know it's about divorcing the imposters and embracing this greater true love, we really begin to switch this on. And uh, when we begin to switch it on, we begin to galactivate identity to multiple awarenesses of star intelligence, other identities, and lifetimes. And like I said, 
the psycho-spiritual warfare is radically increased when we begin to switch this on because they know that they lose a grip on us once we begin to activate this. So they'll do everything under the sun to trip us up, to try and make us feel defeated so that we feel like we're failing on our spiritual path and where some people like, they're like, well, I've been meditating, I've been eating like really good and um, you know, doing all the spiritual practice and then they feel completely slammed and back at like ground zero, like what did I do wrong? And then they might pick up a bottle of vodka and like start to give up and it's like, no, no, no. No, I just got to breathe through the psychic attack because it's like super. And this is what humanity is in right now. This level of attack with the psyops and the pandemic. And this is the ultimate attack because humanity is about to move past that threshold of the seven chakra and the implants that have distorted us through false teachings. Um, this is why humanity is dealing with this, with this tremendous initiation of this plutonic energy. When we get to the other side of it, humanity is ready to switch this on and they're like doing everything under the sun to prevent it. So anyway, uh, the neutron window is what creates the 13 stargate portal as 12 becomes one. And that process is what aligns us to our mother arc and to the Milky Way core 8D, which phase locks into Andromeda core 9D, which is the infinity spiral around our head. And the stargates connected to that are in Tibet, China, in the China area. And um, so when these link together, this is when the 13th Stargate portal really begins to amp up. This has a lot to do with Orion system, has a lot to do with clearing that um, and where that fell into the Orion War so that that energy in connection with the zero point can restore uh, the Orion system and the duality that uh, came from it that we're dealing with in the here and now because those wars obviously stepped down into the physical plane. A lot of us remember those lifetimes and are still doing that kind of work. But anyway, these are the different levels. Level one, building wings, sixth and seventh chakra. You can see the love story. Level two, crystal lotus heart, eight and nine. And you see the love and then level three, Hyros Gamos, Christos, Hydroplasmic Light, 10, 11, 12. This is the avatar consciousness. These is all about sacred marriage, right? So when we attract people that we feel soulmate, some even say twin flame, we know that like we're moving into that. And sometimes those relationships are really challenged because of the level of attack. And because sometimes people are just not really able to want to hold that, you know, kind of energy. Um, I'm very careful about, like, you know, when I do readings, like, oh, yeah, that person's your twin flame. I'm very careful about some of those terminologies. But this is something we achieve within ourselves to switch all this on. So when we can imagine it as a love story, then, yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I'm all about the love story. Um, so uh, I know people know this chart uh, from Power Versus Force, uh, David Hawking's. Um, and we know, like, yeah, we're going to drop down into those energies. But instead of trying to avoid them at all costs, how about when we drop down, we give it unconditional love, and um, we like love that part of ourselves um, and forgive that part of ourselves because we're humans. We're not going to be able to avoid going into those zones. So when we go into it, we can come out the other end and give it courage, neutrality, willingness, acceptance, reason, love, joy, peace, and then enlightenment. But we, we can't expect that we're not going to visit these zones. Um, so I just feel like when we're in that zone, you know, we have each other's back. We love each other. We're going to help each other through. We're going to help ourselves through. And not like fear it or shame it or think, oh, you know, I mean, to me, unconditional love of these parts of ourselves is key to raising our frequency. And that, to me, is what going into the dark night of the soul is all about. So, so oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, so epigenetics, science is uh, proving that our body's ability to heal and repair itself is greatly affected by our beliefs, thoughts, emotions, and intentions, for they have a profound vibrational effect upon our continually evolving genetic code. We're the programmers of the code. DNA activation is our software upgrade. So if we just keep checking ourselves, that's why they want to bombard our minds 
um, because they know like we can enable a reality that we don't want by consenting or being somehow linked to it or uh, believing in it on some level. They know that you know, we, we will manifest a future we don't want. They don't, they, all they have to do is just stimulate it. And as much as they might steal and siphon energy and try and harvest it, really how they do that is by getting to our minds and our beliefs. And obviously, what they're doing to children and the trafficking and the satanic ritual abuse is something that we're stepping up to, to expose and do anything we can to protect children and those that have been trafficked and abused. Um, but, but our job as a humanity is to make sure that we don't get distracted by all this other crap, because that truly is the priority. And that's why it's so crazy to see all these other things um, in the headlines and that celebrities go, go ballistic over you know, certain things that they really stand for, but they know what's going on under Getty Museum, and, and children are being trafficked to these individuals, and, and barely anybody's really saying much uh, in, in that industry. And so it's incredible that folks like us are, because we really are on the front lines. Not, not a lot of people who know this stuff is happening um, are, are really you know, saying anything, and people like Ali Carter, people that are exposing it, they, they hardly have a voice, but yet, you know when you see these news feeds how ridiculous it is, and so I won't keep going on. Anyway, um, the Ephiacus energy, the 13th sign, the sun started moving through it in 2010. This is when a major timeline shift happened. Okay, perfect. Um, and Ephiacus is the 13th sign, and it's actually ruled by the ether. This is part of the correction that when the sun started to move through the 13th sign, um, that activation of the ether energy became strong. It began to help with the corrections uh, and, and gives us this access. So it, it relates to and it's November 17th to about d December 10th, I believe. And it's right between Scorpio and Sagittarius, but it overlays. Um, it's not like you have to change your chart, but if you're born under, uh, after 2010, you would want to include it. Um, but anyway, Creatrix Connectivity, Pure Transparent Crystalline Light, Divine Mother, and the Cleansing Power of Cosmic Love, Recoding the DNA, Aligning to the Cosmic Heart of Lyra, and Andromedan, Universal Center, Rebirth and Cleansing the Blood, Breath, and Mitochondria. So when we look at all the kind of clots and all the kind of weird symptoms, you know, in the masking, this is to cut us off from breathing the breath of life and accessing this energy, because the ether and, and all of this is part of the breath of life and the tree of life. And so they, they want to cut us off from that. They, they want to separate us from that and each other because this powerful activation since 2010 is so strong. It's actually ruled by Chiron, which is an asteroid. So when we like seek to really connect with it, we have to be really honest about our wounds and, and not act out those wounds. We have to be responsible towards our triggers. You know, and I'm, and I'm getting really good at that. Like when I'm triggered, I'm like, especially with my husband, I'm like, it's totally me. Like I totally like, I don't, I don't want to project this totally my wound that I'm dealing with, but I have to be honest about it because I'm like all coiled up and constricted and just like in agony because, um, but, but instead of just being like, you know, blame or like projection. Um, and I just know that this is just what really just helps me stay aligned. It's just like acknowledging it and being responsible to it and holding myself accountable. And then knowing the difference too when maybe somebody's being a legitimate schmuck. It's like, okay, that's different. Um, anyway, like boundaries, right? So. So anyway, this phase is the solar alignment with the cosmic ether, which is at the core of the galactic center, which represents the pouring of healing spiritual waters into the earth and humanity from Mother God. Previously, these waters were corrupted by entrapping the Mother Principle and Gold Ray Seraphim on Earth. So divine fire water. And um, this is, uh, uh, I, some of this comes from uh, Lisa's information and some things that I um, added to it. 
So anyway, this also relates to the dragon lines. Each of the dragon lines are woven into primarily 12 main sections comprising the world grid. Over the last year, more dragon lines were created to reflect the changing zodiac patterns interacting with the earth grid during Ephiakis. This interfaces directly with our DNA. To have the 13th sign come in means the 13th gate is being activated and it's truly the return of the mother force and the fear uh, alliances are connected to this, I believe, the guardian groups. And, when, and we talk about the mother, it's not separate from the father, but the t attention being on the mother is to, <clears throat> Resolve the, the reversals, the baphomet, the inversion, the misuse of the womb energy to birth parasites and archons and all sorts of things to really get in the way. It's to, it's to reclaim that you know, energy um, and it's part of the planetary consciousness. So anyway, I don't have a whole lot of time, but RNA's primary responsibility is to make proteins according to the instruction sets encoded within a cell's DNA. However, in RNA, the nitrogenous base is made up of nucleic acids, cytosine, guanine, adenine, and uracil. Also, each of the RNA nucleic, uh, nucleic acids is connecting to the elemental substance of the planet as air, water, fire, and earth. In both DNA and RNA, the mitochondrial DNA serves as the fifth principal element of cosmic ether, which is sourced only from the mother. Thus, through uh, the mitochondrial DNA damage, humanity is grossly addicted to consuming everything in the external world to fill this energy void within our cells. So multiple sources, Lisa and husband and wife team, Hager and Becker. So we, our DNA is elemental, earth, air, fire, water. Now with the ether energy, we're healing the mitochondrial DNA, our connection with the mother, which is connected with the ether, which does wonders to our DNA. It purifies the toxicity and the earth responds to us. So in a way we clear the oceans and the skies when we do this inner work because we're elemental beings. And now with the fifth principle, the mitochondrial DNA um, healing, to me this is where the elemental kingdoms will rise will purify and, and alchemize all this toxicity because the ether energy is a purifier. And the unconditional love of the mother is like infusing our body with like this, this greater love than what we learned from like these lower creator gods and the punishing gods and just all this other nonsense. Anyway, if we hold on to programmings or belief systems that are not in alignment with our higher self, uh, we begin to get more assimilated. The cleansing power of ether will help us to move energy and not just move it and release it, but bring in substance, a substance that can dissolve the fences and seals in our DNA, the frequency fences. And then when that happens, we start to step into our avatar consciousness. In a rebirth cycle, we're presented with choices. What are we gonna allow die? And what are we gonna allow to be birthed? So in every moment we can align, we can step away from all the crap that we're being bombarded with and know that this is available. It's happening on a cosmic and earthly level. If we can just stay in tune with it and really breathe into it, recognize our wounds and traumas, write it out, express it, do whatever. Um, there's nothing that is going to prevent us from being able to massively upgrade and be that override frequency, which will activate the collective conscious and help other people to do the same so that they can release all the weaponry, the mind control. And if they're willing, if they can take that free will and make that choice and devote to it, there's nothing that humans cannot overcome or heal. The willingness has to be there though. So, yeah, just to, you know, this is also um, what, what Lisa has shared. And again, I do quote her a lot, but I'm in such resonance with everything she brings forward. Um, the Malchizedeks are the genetic hosting race of the Earth's ascension cycle for the last 35,000 years. As of 2009, 2012, right, with 2010 right in the middle, our planet went beyond this to prepare for the return of the 13th gate pillar of Mother Ark, the return of the goddess energy, the planetary consciousness. Um, according to my research, the 13th Blu-ray was previously under the control of the fallen Malchizedek hosting of our planet. They became fallen and patriarchal and were highly manipulated by the Orion group. Since the Sumerian Egypt invasion, the Mother Ark Aqua Blu-ray was not in the Earth core. Hence, therefore, the Earth had lost her Mother of God and female Christ Sophianic body principle. So that theft, that discon you know, not having that there is the reason it's been so hard to be human. But now that that energy is back, 
Um, it's just amazing. It's, it's changing the nature of everything. And when that energy wasn't available, it was all in the dark reversals and the Baphomet and, and the planetary grid network being overlaid with the artificial tree of life. They were doing everything under the sun to just engineer these world wars and these trades with ETs and their technologies. And so this is a time where we're awakening it within ourselves. We're feeling it with the earth and cosmos and that divine blueprint of you know, the masculine and feminine within ourselves. Um, anyway, so this is a personal letter that, you know, when I was just like, oh my God, like I'm losing it, I can't really handle this or that. Like I reached out to her and she said it's okay to, you know, share a portion. Um, but this was about, you know, the mother energy and how it's been for thousands of years. Uh, she said the level of hatred, misogyny, and dripping vitriol they have for her is unparalleled. They never wanted her to return. They did everything unimaginable to torture, rape, and steal from her body, siphon out every last drop of animating Holy Spirit. The most sacred essence of life lives and breathes inside of her. They both covet this and despise it. So, right, masking, we're supposed to be breathing in the breath of life. We're supposed to be activating this, finding that mother energy within ourselves. And literally every dark agenda under the sun is to keep this from happening, to keep her from returning. They never thought she would. And who's she? It's the aqua ray energy. It's something within us. And it's something that, um, yeah, uh, is unstoppable. And they're just, they know that um, they're not going to get away with so much because of this. But people have to be willing to heal and step away from this manipulation. And um, and if they do, you know, that's going to be just wonderful. So we can only, like, pray and do our best to just maintain the love frequency. Red pilling at a certain point is like, not going to go anywhere. But just stay in this, you know, unconditional love for friends and family. And, um, yeah. So this is just uh, medical astrology. I do medical astrology if you see each zodiac sign connected to um, parts of the body, you see a fecus at the bottom, uh, a tailbone, fetal cells, um, and stuff related to kundalini, it's the golden chalice energy, and all the rest, you know, it's very interesting. So when I do a chart and somebody has health issues, you can kind of understand the patterning behind the symptom. And when you understand the patterning and the body breaks that patterning, then the symptoms begin to disappear. So that's my favorite part of astrology. Um, and that's what, when the north node recently was in Gemini and the uh, south node was in Sagittarius, um, in medical astrology, it's ruled by lungs, right? So we see like the virus stuff in the lungs and, and they weaponize the nodes because that's the greater growth period of humanity. So we saw the suppression of truth, stunted growth and weakness in this area um, and makes us vulnerable to disease because people don't realize that a lot of the reason people had lung issues, regardless of pandemic stuff or labeling it, is because the grief of the old paradigm dying, people don't know how to process the dying world that they've attached themselves to. So the lung stores grief. And so there's a lot of unexpressed emotion and grief and depression that people can't put their finger on because we're transitioning into you know, a whole another thing that is so much better than what it was before, but it doesn't mean people aren't mourning it. Like, you know, people mourn even a divorce with somebody that they don't want to be with anymore. And there's always a mourning process. So I really feel like that's why the lungs have been vulnerable. And, and yeah, sure, bioweapons and other things. But once the body has sort of mastered understanding where symptomatic stuff comes from, it doesn't matter if it's coming from a bioweapon or a virus or whatever, we gain greater strength in our physical body to keep these areas that are being targeted strong. And, and we can nullify bioweapons and viruses when we can like be like, okay, it's the lungs that they're targeting, it's the blood. It's okay, blood clots, okay, masking. Okay, so, so what is, are the signs, what are the energies connected to that that we can begin to empower and illuminate so that we can overcome whatever side of it all that we're, we experience? I mean, even the spike proteins, my husband had a blood clot in his leg in a rash for two months just being exposed. 
So, uh, you know, it's like understanding, okay, where's that vulnerability? It's not just we're just at the mercy of all this. We have to understand maybe something deeper so that we can strengthen that part of our being because energy comes before the physical. So I'm not going to get into Saturn square Uranus, but it's basically the power struggle of the old tyrannical dark Saturn and a square is friction with Uranus, which is all about sovereignty and liberation. The higher octave of Saturn is self-mastery. So once we get over the tyranny and go through the trials and tribulations, then we're in the higher Saturn, which is self-mastery and being a teacher. Because we can't like get rid of Saturn. But the rings are starting to dissolve and the whole nature of the Saturn moon matrix is changing. And this is the power struggle right now of like them wanting to compromise our freedoms, but as long as we stay on the side of Uranus and we refuse, that dark Saturn is going to flip around because we're going to be self-masters of this manipulation of BS. So um, anyway, I talked about the zodiac kind of guiding us back into the zero point. Um, these outer planets, which are the great initiators, always have a shadow side. So I talked about Pluto. The example of Uranus's shadow is panic attacks, nervous breakdowns. We lose connection to higher guidance. We, we might feel a lot of PTSD coming up, but um, and it rules shock and upheaval, but it also wakes us up. Because when we face the trauma, we can uncover memories, we can begin to understand things. So every shadow part of these outer planets, you know, have the flip side, if we can just breathe through it and, and do the shadow work and get to the other side. So um, I'm about to wrap this up. Talked about all the Piscean energies right now. It means we can really tap into the collective consciousness or, or the creative imagination and really decide what do we want to manifest and create. We have major, major resources to tap into dreams and visions and everything like that. And uh, with Uranus being so close to the sun and the partial eclipse we just had in the new moon, that electrical energy can nullify also and break down the dark weapons because it's all about sovereignty. Once we get into that sovereignty and we're not in the mind control, we've de-weaponized the weapons. So sometimes I look at the weapons or the chemtrails and I'm like, thank you for reminding me of how powerful we are. Instead of being like pissed off, like freaking chemtrailing the sky which I used to be, but now it's just like, thank you for reminding me because you're not a weapon. I can turn you into a tool to remind me of who we really are because I'm not gonna let you be a weapon. I'm gonna transform you with my mind. <laughs> so I'm about to wrap it up, but yeah, the Archonic Matrix is just an imitation of the original creation. It doesn't hold any real power over it unless we personally allow it to. So we can be plugged into one of two things, source energy or the electronical controls. And yeah, um, I've shared that slide a lot. It's possible to clear the AI signal from your nervous system, brain, and body when you become aware of it. However, one must change their consciousness and elevate one's frequency. And, and we know that. Um, AI signals are basically reversal uh, and uh, energies that generate artificial timelines. And uh, it's based in our unconscious uh, disempowerment. And um, we can, we're, we're not on that timeline. We're witnessing others that might be choosing that, but um, you know, we're not gonna give up on anyone. And, uh, and I know something's going to really become more obvious on a planetary level that's really going to shake people awake and will help them as much as we can to overcome from, um, you know, these level of assaults. I know when they break the mind control and their body is truly spiritualized, the body will release all this foreign substance. I truly just don't want to believe in anything else. If I had the power to choose a belief that, like, I want, um, that's where the creative imagination comes in. And there's certain beliefs that aren't going to fly because maybe they're not aligned with truth, like disinformation, but that's a little different than really knowing our potential and what magic and goodness we can create in this lifetime. And the war between good and evil is ultimately one within. We have to decide what we're aligned with, what we're going to stay corded energetically to, and uh, the war is on consciousness, so of course we can only win it within ourselves. And the reptilians might be taking a chance by connecting humans into their collective via 
the implants, connecting them into the reptilian sort of agenda via the implants. It may be possible to turn this into a weapon against them, for providing that we stay within the direction of divine grace. So no matter what they're putting on us, it, it, even the implants that they're trying to send, and if we defy that, what are we sending back to them? It's just like, so we can turn this into something that puts an end to this. We don't have to fear all these different tactics because ultimately our higher mind and spirit holds dominion over physical matter and is the greatest power in the universe with love. So we've totally got this. The inverted pentagram or five-pointed star so prevalent in Satanism is also symbolic of this unbroken time cycle, the vibrational prison. The fifth element, ether, connects to alchemy and our throat chakra. It's the key to overcoming this. And upside pentagram represents being trapped in physical matter. We have been in the process of turning it upright again. We are born into a huge wound. We each are called to come and heal. And so the storylines we live out are there to help us wake up and heal personally and things way beyond ourselves. We all live our storylines and go through whatever we go through because that's our mission to come out the other end, come out the other side, and all of a sudden help bring people along with us. And that's why we have such extraordinary, crazy paths. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is upright with spirit and uh, Venus transits and Pluto returns in this lifetime to me also signifies the return of the mother, turning it upright. Uh, astronomers and astrologers have noted that the orbit of Venus draws a perfect pentagram. This is part of the Sophianic correction and the sacred geometry of a rose. And that's what the Venus transits have been doing. So that's coming from the heart of the mother, the Venus energies. The Venus archetypes are connected to a lot of the mythologies of the divine feminine. So her way of uh, still participating with the healing of the earth um, and her ability to ground back into the planet has to do with how her heart has been interacting and creating the sacred geometry to correct the reversals, to come back into the earth body, to come back into the core sun and to be that mother arc energy vibrating throughout the planetary grid network and holding unconditional love and support for us. She's been working this whole time to come back in when she wasn't able to be grounded and anchored and they created all this darkness and all these wars and all these different things that have compromised us. But the unconditional love of the mother never left us and that's something to always be reminded of. So that's it. Um, thanks. Oh, man. Thank you, guys. Oh, man. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I really appreciate it.